Hey, I wanted to let you know I am releasing a book this spring, this April, actually. It's my very first book, and it is so near and dear to my heart. It's called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. And I truly believe it will encourage and equip you to navigate faith, desire, intimacy, and relationships free from shame and fear and with a holistic and biblical vision. I would be so grateful if you snagged a copy. You can actually pre-order it right now on Amazon.com or Kindle, Audible, Barnes & Noble, or honestly, anywhere you purchase books. When you pre-order it, please send me an email at social at therefinedwoman.com because I would love to send you some free goodies and resources as a thank you. All right, let's get to the podcast. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to another episode of The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to talk with you about my book, Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful Always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. It comes out this April, and you can pre-order it right now on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Cokesbury, ChristianBooks.com, Books a Million, pretty much anywhere where you buy books online, you can pre-order that, and it would mean the world to me. Now, my heart behind this book was really sharing my story of growing up in conservative Christian culture and being taught a set of rules about sex and sexuality and my body and really never questioning those until I was almost 30 years old and moved to New York City and was thrust into the crazy dating scene that is New York and modern dating. And I went on a journey of seeking God, searching scriptures, and talking to pastors, leaders, strangers at bars, talking to them about my biggest, deepest questions about God and sex and everything in between. And I hope that my story can be encouraging to you and hopefully also fun and funny at times. And what I really hope is that wherever you are on your journey of whether you're single or in a relationship or have 10 kids, that you can feel seen and known and valued and understood through my story, my fumbling, imperfect story of navigating singleness and sexuality in today's culture. So please check that out, Sexless in the City. You can get that anywhere online. Books are sold. And if you do pre-order, go ahead and email my team, social at therefinedwoman.com. That's social at therefinedwoman.com. And we would love to get you some special pre-order goodies and 
perhaps invite you to our insider launch team. So there's that. That's the book. One more thing before we get started on today's episode is I did a total I, meaning my team, we, (laughs) my amazing team. Kitty is behind the scenes. You don't really ever get to hear her, but she is what makes the Refined Collective Podcast run so smoothly. So we revamped our Patreon. Now you've heard me talk about Patreon a thousand times. It's an online software platform that allows people who love podcasts to be able to financially support them. And up until now, it's really just been a place where if you believe in the Refined Collective, if you believe in my vision, you can financially support us on a monthly basis. And we'll give you, you know, a couple downloadable gifts and resources and stuff like that. But I really, really value this Patreon community. You literally help keep our lights open, metaphorically speaking, with the podcast. And so I want to give you guys something special. So I've changed Patreon to now being a place where I'm kind of peeling back sort of the inner curtains of my daily life. I know I'm super honest on the podcast online, but the Patreon is going to be a weekly video that will drop where I will just kind of share for 15 minutes or so about something specific going on in my life or in regards to a recent podcast episode um, just because I I want you to know me more. I want I want to know you more. So recent videos that I've done are like a new home tour. I, you guys know that I moved recently. And so my Patreon members got like first access to viewing my new home. And I get super real with dating and what online dating and in-life dating has really looked like for me in COVID breakups and fumbles and all of that. And then recently talk about personal struggles that I've had and my fertility journey, even as a single person. So if you would like to join our Patreon community, I would love to invite you. And I am committed to it being a place where you can get to know me on a deeper level. So if you're interested in that, patreon.com slash the refined collective. Welcome to the Patreon community. All right, now on to today's episode. We have a dating coach and drumroll please, now author of the book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, Kate Warman. Now, Kate might be a familiar name to you. She is the host of the Heart of Dating podcast. Her and I have done a lot of online workshops together from how to put yourself out there to how to online date 101. And she's actually been on the Refined Collective if I'm not mistaken, my kitty will correct me in the show notes. I think this is her third or fourth time on the podcast. And so what is so fun about Kate and why I'm so excited about her book is, and this is actually one of the reasons why I wrote my book, is there is so much out there about dating and relationships and faith-based circles that are written by people who got married in their early 20s. And It's not that what they're saying isn't necessarily true. It's just that they really have no idea what it's actually like to be single for, you know, 20 plus years, 30 plus years, perhaps 40 plus years in today's day and age. And so I love talking with Kate because she gets it. She's in her 30s. She's single. She's navigating heartache, rejection, breakups, just like me, just like you, just like all of this. So I can't wait to dive in to some real talk. Her and I are getting very real today about our own rejections and heartaches and the path through it to the other side. So enjoy. 
Kate Warman. It's real life. What is up, girl? Hi, my girl. So happy to be here with you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am a little interested to see how this conversation goes because we're so comfortable with each other. <laughs> I'm like, what is going to come out? Like we know right. all the ins and outs of each other's lives. Yes. <laughs> I, I, like I'll totally like call you out on something or say something. And you're like, no one in the world knows that. Please don't share my dirty secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for airing the dirty laundry cat. Hello. That was and in our private text message. I know. And you, you're like, remember remember on that voice note last week, Kat, when you were totally spiraling about that guy? Yeah. <laughs> Which guys, we still do, just so you know. Absolutely. Like we still have those moments. Oh my gosh, 100%. I feel like you and I, our constant conversation with each other is, okay, I know I should know how to deal with this situation because I coach women in relationships all the time, but girl, I am freaking out. This guy has not texted me back and please help me. A hundred percent, which just is like the funniest thing, but I love that we can talk through it because I'm like, when you say it to me, I'm like, I get you. We're good, girl. I see you. you It's okay to to have spiral moments. I feel like we all have them. Yes. Or the moments where like, I just need to clear through the fog and I know that you know some wisdom here. So like, like, can you help me get there right now? I need it. Yes. Yes. You know? I just need to have a freak out moment or yeah, just let me freak out. Or one of my old coaches used to say to me that, or she used to tell me that her, so her and her husband are both coaches and she would say, okay, I need you to take your coaching hat off right now and just let me freak the F out right now. Yes. I know it's going to be immature. It's not going to be enlightened, but I just need to have a moment. And I think the moment. Just let me have it. Okay. Just this moment. Just let me have this moment. Damn it. And then you go and then you do it and you're like, okay, now it feels so much better. (laughs) I'm human. I am human, just like everyone else is human. Yes. Like, thank you for letting me have the moment. You're like, okay. Are we are we done having the temper tantrum? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Kate, you just wrote a freaking book. So, thanks, girl. Oh my gosh. I know you know the feeling. What a crazy time. What a cool thing. It's just all the feels. We, it's everything. Some days I'm like on a high of like, wow, this is the most amazing thing ever. And then, like, later that day, I'm like, oh my gosh, like people are reading it. And it's just so many things all at once. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I totally hear that. And do you ever feel, or do you ever have these feelings like, oh my gosh? My third cousin is going to read about the most painful part of my dating story. Or I think I used to feel like, oh, people would say, you're so brave, Kat. You're so fearless for talking about sexuality and dating and all that stuff and your past. And I don't think it dawned on me really until maybe like the gazillionth person was like, that's so brave. You're putting this down in a book. And now I'm like, sometimes I have these moments where I feel like I need to breathe in a paper bag. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, everyone's going to know. And then no one's going to like me. I know. No. (laughs) And then everyone's going to reject me. And then I need to read your book again. Right. No, exactly. Exactly. And then I'm going to be rejected. And then I'm going to have to read the conclusion of my book again, where it says, if you didn't like this book, well, thank you for rejecting me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. You need to take some of your own medicine here. No, it's a real thing. I'm like... And, you know, in writing a book, and this is just real, like you tell stories, but some of the stories, like you, you, you know, you're talking about people in these stories. Most of the time, these are real life stories. Okay. And so then you're like, oh my gosh, this person is going to read that. (laughs) 
okay. Hello. He's really going to know how into him I was, even though I really tried to play it off that I wasn't that into him, but I'm still heartbroken seven years later. Truly. I mean, I will just say one of the most vulnerable moments in my process was chapter five of my book called The Ugly Cries, all about heartbreak. And I really wanted to keep the details very much accurate to the story. So, and I have a good relationship with that ex. So I sent my ex that chapter to read and say like, Hey, are you okay with me sharing this? Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is so vulnerable because it was like my devastation, my heart shattering moments, just how heartbroken I was like giving him behind the curtains. Cause you know, like after the breakup, you part ways and they don't really know your process Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they're not, they're not in it anymore. You guys aren't together. And so I'm like handing him this chapter being like, (laughs) you get to see behind the curtain. This is what I was going through. (laughs) So it was a real vulnerable moment. (laughs) Absolutely. Man, I remember years ago, it was, gosh, maybe six, seven years ago when I first started the series on my blog, Sexless in the City, Mm. about this guy that I dated. I mean, I, Kate, it was one of those, (laughs) I mean, I fell head over heels. Yeah the first night. I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like Buddy the Elf. I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. (laughs) And I thought it would be really cool to write a blog series about it because (laughs) it was my first year in New York. I hadn't dated in forever. And now I'm finally having, I honestly felt like I was having my sex in the city moment just without the sex. That's the title of the series, Sexless in the City. And At the time, my blog wasn't that big. I mean, I knew my mom read it and my sister and a couple friends. And so I thought, I don't need to tell this guy that I'm writing the story about our current dating life. Yeah, no. And he's never going to see it. He also doesn't have social media, Facebook, anything. So I'm like, even if he did know about it, like he wouldn't find out about it because he doesn't have any social media. So I'm all good. And after going live, I wrote this like six posts, I think. And after going live with the first or second of them, we had broken up by the time that midway through the series. (laughs) And girl, I learned the biggest lesson. The biggest (laughs) lesson is the last person that you want to read something is going to be the first person (laughs) that actually reads it. And he confronted me about it and was like, why are you talking about our dating relationship on the internet? Oh my goodness. It was Um, so vulnerable. You know, Actually, you saying that my ex, and we'll talk about it, the guy I dated in 2020, recently informed me that he bought my book. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> you know, awesome. I'm like, Perfect. so you're going to be like the first person to read it is awesome. <laughs> okay. So by the way, thank you for rejecting me. <laughs> thank you so much for not wanting to marry me. I feel so good about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So well, let's get in. Okay. I, I want to talk about rejection with you. That's, I mean, your book is called, thank you for rejecting me. Yeah. You and I both have talked about this so much at our, at the workshops we've led together, but even to our own people that rejection is protection, reje- rejection is redirection. Yeah. And I just wanted to kind of peel back the layers on our own lives and talk about what rejection what specific rejection has looked like in our own experiences. And I definitely do want to get to romantic rejection and stuff like that. But something that you talk about in your book and how you kind of start things off is 
before we're rejected by someone else, there's typically a process of me rejecting myself. Yeah. So, so this idea of self-rejection. So can you kind of unpack like what has self-rejection looked like in your life? Yeah. So the way I break it down in the book into two different chapters, you could write a whole book on self-rejection, but just to start it out, I go through a lot of insecurity and body image. And body image is pretty much, I think, body shame is one of the biggest ways we self-reject. I think just whether you're a guy or a girl, 90% of women have said say that they're unsatisfied with their bodies in some way. And so body shame is like one of the biggest triggers, especially for women. And that's a huge way we self-reject ourselves, especially when it comes to friendships and when it comes to romantic situations, we are self-rejecting ourselves, berating our bodies all over the place. And then I also go into just self-hatred. And when I say self-hatred, I think a lot of people are like, I don't have self-hatred. And I'm like, okay, When I say self-hatred, it's not like you're swimming in a pool of it. Because if you're swimming in the pool of self-hatred, you're probably in a suicidal place. And that's really, that is, of, of course, very terrible. But there's other layers to it. You could be dipping your toes in that pool a lot of the time. And the way that looks like is just discounting yourself consistently, the way you talk about yourself, the way you shame yourself, the parts of yourself that you just don't like or past versions of yourself that you just, you know, you see an old photo of yourself and you're like, oh, I hated that version of me. And you are like, I don't even want to look at that because I just, oh, I hate that person, you know? And that so deeply has been my story. And um, self-rejection really impacts how we show up in our lives, whether it's in work, whether it's with our families, and of course, in dating. You know, uh, If I already reject myself, then I put myself out there looking for this guy, for example, to fill something that I'm not giving to myself or not getting from God. And when he doesn't, it just confirms what I already believe, which is that I'm not worthy, desired, beautiful, chosen, interesting insert whatever here, you know? Uh, and that is, this is a process. I mean, so I think, um, it's just tough, Kat. I mean, how has it shown up for you? I'd love to like flip, like flip it back on you and then we can maybe talk about, yeah, how that's like happened to both of us. Yeah. So I think the first thing that, that came to mind when you were talking is this quote from Glennon Doyle. And I just read her book, Untamed. And wow, I haven't oh, read it yet. Yeah. Oh, girl, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. So she says in her book, I will not stay, not ever, in a room or a conversation or relationship or institution that requires me to abandon myself. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of self-rejection, I think, I think also of the phrase aban- self-abandonment and... <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. I just knocked my elbow. I'm recording in my closet. <laughs> I knocked my elbow on my shoe rack. So as one does, yes. That's what that noise was. Super cool. So when I so much of Glennon's story is about her being in a toxic marriage with a man that was consistently unfaithful to her and realizing she was staying in the marriage to be a good example to her daughter. Mm. But then she realized, man, if my daughter grew up and was in a relationship like this, I would not want her to stay in it. And I'm teaching her that it's okay to abandon yourself and stay in a relationship that's not healthy for you. So that was sort of a beginning of an unraveling for her and stepping away from her marriage. 
and really helped me kind of think about, man, what are times where I have abandoned myself? And I think of two things that come to my mind. And one is I was really good friends with this guy for most of my time in New York. And it was one of those instant friend type situations. Yeah. And full disclosure, I definitely had a crush on him at first. <laughs> I mean, single, loves God, attractive. And yeah. maybe a week within our friendship, he was like, listen, I want to be super clear. I'm not interested in you romantically. I really care about you as a person. And I hope we can be friends if that's something that's healthy for you. And so I said, that actually sounds great. Let's try that. I Because for a long time, I thought guys and girls can't be friends. But then that has really shifted for me over the years. And I, I think, man, what a sad, sad world to only be yeah. able to be friends with half of the world's population. Yeah. So True. we developed a really sweet friendship over the years. And he has been one of my closest guy friends, or so I thought. And then I started to notice that when I hang out with him, I don't bring my full self. Mm. Because I felt, I felt like, because he's a very chill person. And yeah. so I felt like when I am like, hello, oh my gosh, I missed you. Or, mm. oh, I'm so happy to see you. When I really owned my feelings for him as in a platonic friendship, it really kind of freaked him out. And I could, it rattled him and we would talk about it every now and then. But I started realizing I was holding back on who I was or dimming my excitement or dimming yeah. even just silly things like, oh, I am not going to be as excited about this TV show because I know that he judges me for watching The Bachelor. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about that in front of him. And I know this might sound like a silly example, but it was really over COVID that I realized, you know what? I think that I am rejecting myself mm -hmm. in this friendship. And as much as I've thought, wow, this is a really good friendship to be in a, a friendship with someone and not be able to be who God has fully created me to be because it might feel like too much for the other person yeah. is me telling myself that I'm too much yes. and I'm wow. not too much. I know that I am loud. I know that I have a lot of opinions and a lot of those <laughs> opinions are controversial. I know <laughs> that I love Jesus and I also love pop Beyonce. culture and Beyonce <laughs> and trashy reality TV way too much. But I just realized, you know what, I'm staying in this friendship and I'm holding back who I am. So we had a couple conversations about it. And then I started realizing, I think that I am over investing into this friendship. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to pull back and kind of match his level of investment. And when I pulled back, I literally never heard from him again. <gasps> wow. Oh my and gosh. so it was interest it was an interesting process because not only for it was like I actually had this narrative in my head that this person was one of my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. But really we were only best friends when I dimmed who I was to make wow. him more comfortable. Wow. And yep. then when I realized I didn't want to do that anymore, I also realized that we really just had a friendship because I pursued relationship and friendship with him. Mm. And so I I felt I was able to see self-rejection in myself. And then 
also grieving the loss of a friendship that maybe wasn't really ever what I thought it was. And then I did feel rejected by, by him and our friendship kind of falling apart at the seams. Yeah. Um, So that's one. And then a second one is for most of my life, I thought I was crazy. I thought I was too emotional and I received that message from my home. Wow. I've talked a lot about how I grew up in a home where there was a lot of addiction and within a home of addiction, you know, the child often becomes the parent. And Mm -hmm. I was told often, you know, your intuition is wrong or your feelings are wrong or you're being judgmental. So I learned to really quiet my intuition because I thought, oh my, I'm crazy. That's what I am. I'm just crazy. And I feel Mm -hmm. too much. And then I, this years later, I was a part of a church and I got these gut checks, Kate, that something Mm -hmm. is not healthy with this leadership and this pastoral team here. And I felt it over and over and over again. And I just felt I dismissed it because I thought I was crazy. And only recently have I found out years and years later that at that time when I was having those gut checks, there was a ton of dysfunction Mm -hmm. and affairs going on behind the scenes. And so I look back and see like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. And my body knew. And, you know, I think I was also led to believe in Christian circles that my heart is deceitful above all things. So I can't trust my emotions. Yes. But actually, my body was talking to me the whole time, Kate. Yes. And I believed the narratives that other people put on me that I was judgmental or too emotional. And then I rejected myself. And then I put myself continuously in situations that were unsafe because I I was rejecting myself. Yes. Wow. Kat, I'm literally looking at my vision board where it says, trust your gut. (laughs) We just talked about this. What you're saying is just resonating with me so much because I think that we discount ourselves so much. I think you and I have chatted about this a lot. We've come from similar upbringings and um, that feeling of I have to quiet myself. I'm either... I am either too much or not enough. So what? where am I in this room? Am I too much in this room? Okay, I need to quiet myself. Am I not enough? I need to make myself louder. And where, like, you know, changing in your different environment. I posted a quote recently, and I wrote this actually in my book. It's, but to come to terms with not one drop of my self-worth comes from somebody else's acceptance of me. Mm. Uh, and really how to walk that out. I dated a guy or I was talking to a guy a while ago, a few years ago. And this has come up a lot for me, guys who love camping and the outdoors and all that. And like, I think that's great. That's so cool. If you love camping and going outdoors and all the things, I am just not a camper. Like I just have back problems. I don't like sleeping on the ground. I don't like bugs. Like I love (laughs) nature. I will go on hikes. I'm like about the nature life, but I want a bed and I want a bathroom. I don't want to pee in the woods. Like that's just, I don't want to. And I've had so many guys in the past be like, you're just too high maintenance or you're just like, I can't be with you unless you, I'm like, and I, I found myself like wanting to change all these parts of me and not just being able to own the fact like, I just don't like camping. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, but I don't like <laughs> camping. And I think that's great for you. And I will go with you in nature and I will stay in a hotel <laughs> or stay in a cabin with a bed. Um, or maybe I'll try it like once, but I can't guarantee I'll like it. And I was at onsite 
year and a half ago. And I remember I say this story in the book, but my group there was like, we need to get you out of this mindset that you need to like those things. So they got out these cue cards and they made me write down the words. I think it was Patagonia, camping, Jeeps, something like that on these cue cards. And then they crossed them out. (laughs) They were like, Mm -hmm. these are your reminders. You do not have to be these things for somebody to accept you. You are allowed to have the, the unique personality that you do. You know, I, um, so I so relate to you and I'll just bring up an example from last year. I was dating a man and man, I haven't talked a lot about that relationship, but you know a lot about it because you're one (laughs) of my close friends. And I would, I would definitely say that my gut saw a lot to start, uh, and I wrote it down in a journal and there were like little red flags for me on different things or yellow flags. And I brought them up to this person and he couldn't see him in himself. And so I was like, okay, maybe I just have to calm down. You know, maybe they're not that, maybe it's not really there. Maybe I just have, maybe I'm insecure. Maybe there's something going on with me. And I just was like, oh, it's, it's okay. Like, you know, and that, I started telling myself, like, you need to stop being so judgmental. You need to stop being so insecure. You need to stop being jealous. And while those, I mean, sure, I don't want to be a jealous person, but the things that my gut were telling me were true and they were real. And I discounted myself and I shamed myself anytime I had a moment of, you know, questioning. And what ended up happening is, well, I'll just give one example. I ended up remembering, I remember one time where I got into, a trigger. There was a trigger moment and I downward spiraled and I just found myself on the ground with this guy and I was weeping and crying and he was like, you need to leave. And I was like, I don't want to leave. And it was a really hard moment for me. Uh, and it brought me back to being a child of not being heard and just feeling crazy, feeling too much, feeling like nobody's going to listen to me. And I just, my trigger went, I just went down that spiral And then the next day we talked about it and he totally forgave me. We talked through it and he did have so much grace for me. And the thing about it, Kat, is that I didn't have grace for me. He had Mm -hmm. grace for me and I didn't have grace for me. I remember like being like the next day we talked about it. I apologized. But then I continued to apologize. That night I sent another apology. The next day I like dropped something at his house. Then I kept apologizing, apologizing, apologizing. He's like, I, it's okay. Like I forgave you. It's totally fine now. And you know, and I, I couldn't forgive me because I was like, oh, that's past version of Kate. That's little Kate. That's how I used to act as a child. And I can't believe that came up again. I can't believe somebody would see that again. Like here I am writing this book on rejection. Here I am preaching this to other people. And here it is behind closed doors coming out. Like what, what if people actually knew? And, um, I just was so, I shamed myself to the ground that it actually made everything so much worse. And I can stand back now without shaming myself, but just to see realistically, if I was him, that's, that is really hard to be on the other side of that, seeing the person you're with, just shaming themselves, shaming themselves, the self-hatred. And at the end of the day, it's also not attractive. You know, you want, you want, you're, you're trying to say, I love you. I forgive you, but they're not forgiving them and their insecurity and self-hatred is coming out, you know? And so, Ah, that's just a real moment for you that happened in the last year that I wanted to share. Real talk. 
After sitting in the same sweatpants for almost an entire pandemic, I have decided to freshen up my wardrobe and have been shopping and selling on Curtsy. I love it because they have the coolest pieces at thrift store prices. You know I love a good sale. Even better, all the pieces are delivered to your doorstep. Now, I love Curtsy because you're shopping from real women and your size and style. It's so easy to use, and I found some really incredible deals. It's also nice that it's just women's clothes, too. With the Curtsy app, you get thrift store prices delivered directly to your door, so no need to sort through thousands of items that aren't your style or size. I even found Lululemon tops for 20 bucks and Lululemon leggings for $40, which is a total steal. The app has all my favorite brands from Nike to Urban Outfitters to Champion, Free People, Zara, and Levi's all up to 70% off. And I know selling clothes can be a huge pain, but Curtsy has actually made the selling process so easy, literally anyone can do it. Also, I don't really know how to price my items very well, but Curtsy suggests a price, which is super helpful. If you don't have a printer, don't worry about it. They'll mail you a shipping label for free, which I love. And the coolest part is when you get to instantly cash out to your debit card. Hey, yo. I am super excited to get the Lululemon black joggers that I recently ordered on Curtsy. I'm going to be sporting them all over my house, all around town. You better believe it. So if you want a sustainable way to get Brandy, Urban, Champion, and Lulu delivered directly to your door, Download Curtsy today and enter promo code REFINED for 15% off your first order. Search for Curtsy in the App Store, and that's spelled C-U-R-T-S-Y, and enter promo code REFINED for 15% off your first order. One more time, that's Curtsy app, and the promo code is REFINED. I got a, a random email from someone I worked with 15 years ago, yeah. and she apologized for a circumstance that I honestly can't even remember. Mm. I really tried to dig through my brain and I got this email recently and I almost didn't know how to respond to it. Cause I felt, man, this girl has been tormented by this probably over the years at different times. And yeah. the scenario is coming up in her head and she finally gets up the courage to forgive herself and then ask for my forgiveness. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not even, I'm not mad about anything. I thought we were all <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. And it's just so interesting what un self unforgiveness can do to ourselves. Mm. I, so what I hear in you saying that is that, you know, he was done, ready to move on. He sees you as whole. He's ready to go to go to the next thing, but self-hatred and self-loathing and even self-rejection, it's, it's, it's as though no one is locking us in a cage. In fact, we're, we have an open door of freedom, yes. but I'm saying, no, I'm, I give me that key. Let me lock myself in this cage. Yep. I'm not worthy of even coming out if people only knew. And so, gosh, yes. I mean, I, I can totally resonate with that of man, just not letting myself off the hook. Yeah. And it's it's like no one else is walking around thinking, man, Kate's crazy. Yeah. Or man, Kat just is too loud. And maybe someone is thinking that <laughs> as they turn down this podcast episode, <laughs> yeah. talking so loud. But I just, even just with God's love, right? Like um, yeah. God's love is free. Do I choose 
mm-hmm. to receive mm-hmm. God's love. Do God has forgiven me for, I mean, one of my mentors and I, we call it shenanigans, girl. <laughs> I dated this guy off and on for years uh, when I lived in LA and when I lived in New York, it was tumultuous. Yeah. And I mean, I did the most embarrassing things to get this guy's attention. I mean, this was before Instagram was really a thing. I would stalk his Twitter like you wouldn't believe. I would, I would become a private investigator and figure out, oh, oh yeah, I think that he's at this bar right now, or he was at that bar two Fridays ago. So I'm just going to casually go by this bar and wait there until I see him and then be like, oh my gosh, oh. what are you doing here? I mean, girl, I... I've I done mean, it, girl. I am laughing because oh I'm like, oh man, the detective I, in me, I'm like, I'm going to show up and he's going to be I, there. And it's going to be a coincidence that I really controlled. <laughs> and he's not going to be able to know at all how desperate I'm being. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, girl, I would text him and beg him. I mean, I would beg him to come hang out with me and he oh. would flake on me. He would cheat on me. He would be on his online dating app, swiping right and left, right next to me, like one hand on my thigh, the other hand swiping. And I just received such poor treatment from this guy. Wow. And yet I was like this moth to the flame. Mm. I kept yep. going back to him yeah. because Honestly, something felt better than nothing at the time. I now don't think that something is better than nothing, but I accepted his scraps of attention because I was already, before I even stepped into a a romantic relationship with him, it was like I had already rejected myself. I'd already said, I'm a piece of crap. I don't think I'm worth the type of relationship I want. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I'm worth having a godly guy who's faithful, who does what he says he's going to do. And to me, this guy felt like the cool kid. And I just was even, I was, I just couldn't even believe the phrase that I constantly heard in my head was how does a guy like that, like a girl like me. Mm -hmm. And I look back and I'm like, the pedestal was so high. He was just on it. Yes. So his rejection of me, he ended up rejecting me so many times. I mean, so many times. And in the end, I really, truly can say, oh my gosh, thank you, God, for allowing this man to reject me. Because I would not have had the courage to walk away. I, I would either be married to the guy now or divorced or a single parent or something. Yeah. <laughs> if I would have gotten my way cuz I so wanted it to work out, but it was only in that breakup that I started to see, man, I have some trauma and crap from my past that I have not healed from and it is haunting me. Yes. And this really wasn't even about this guy. It was about stuff with my dad that I wasn't even awakened to until yep. starting to go to therapy after that. And so I didn't even know that I was rejecting myself until like two years into therapy. Yeah. And I think also, depending on your childhood dynamics, you may be really used to being like unheard. And so though you're actually, and we've talked about this cat, you and I, that we are more attracted in some ways to those patterns. So we'll mm-hmm. often seek out somebody who makes us feel unheard, who doesn't meet our emotional needs and that's normal. And we're like, and it just contributes to like us feeling even worse about ourselves, you know? And so, but it's really so important what you're saying. Like we have to do the work of 
I need to not give scraps of love to myself. I need to give myself the full bucket, the full bucket of love, understanding God's love from a place of from head knowledge to heart knowledge, it's truly connected, understanding the unique ways he's formed us, that you're loud, that I'm loud, that I'm bubbly, that I'm expressive. And I've had a lot of narratives in my life that were like, be quieter, Kate. Don't be as expressive. Why are you so dramatic? And these narratives cause me to like be shrink down and feel really insecure. And like, I would be at a get together. And then afterwards I would question myself like, oh my gosh, was I too loud? Was I too like, um, expressive? Do people, are people judging me? Am I, oh my gosh. And it was like this inner self-hatred consistently because I couldn't just own the fact that I'm an expressive person and that's beautiful. And God created me exactly that way, you know, with my unique design. And I think that is so important for us to know those things. That's why in my coaching, Usually before I even have people like go out on a date, I'm like, before you, you can write what you're looking for. What is it that you bring to a relationship? Mm -hmm. And do you know those things from that, your head to your heart? And I want you to own those things as you walk in there, you know, own your body shape, own your, um, the way you talk and communicate and your weird quirks and your fun Beyonce dance moves. And like, don't discount those things. Those are the incredible ways that God has made you. If you're smart and love books, don't pretend that you don't because you don't want to intimidate a guy. No, that's amazing that you've read a lot of books. I mean, own that. You know, and whatever it is, I think that God has uniquely wired us so beautifully. And I think that journey is so important before we enter dating, because then we're going to be looking for others to validate things in ourselves that we really need to be just giving ourselves first. Yes, that's so good, Kate. And even just thinking about, you know, this idea of thank you for rejecting me or his rejection was for my protection. Yeah. Do you have an experience from your own life of, walking through that romantic, like a, well, like I'm, I'm thinking of like a mega heartbreak mm-hmm. I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I thought this one was the freaking one. And Oh my gosh, I was so wrong. And it only now, can you be grateful for that? Do you have your own story like that? And also if you want to share any of your shenanigans <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, normalize mine, you know, feeling a little vulnerable over here. <laughs> oh, the shenanigans. No, girl. I mean, I am so with you and I've been the um, expert stalker in every way, um, <laughs> like every way. Oh, I know everything. Okay. No, and like I have, I have done all the things you said <laughs> many times in my life and even in recent years. Okay. Let me just, I'm not going to pretend. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, (laughs) but I would say, uh, I think I don't actually share this part in the book, but I write about in chapter five about the guy that I dated. Now it's coming up on four years ago. And, um, that heartbreak was really, uh, unexpected for me. And actually to relate to what you said, Kat, I put him on a pedestal. Like I saw him with this like perfect Christian upbringing, these amazing parents. He had never had sex and he, there's no divorce, no addiction, no anything in his life. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this guy is it, you know, like, and he also was lovely. He was just a lovely person. So add all of that combined, I was like, oh my gosh, you're better than me, you know? And, uh, and actually just on that note, I brought him home. I remember to my family and he got to see some of the inner workings behind the scenes. And I remember 
I was so self-conscious about it all because I was like, he's never seen anything like this. And this is, I can't believe he's seeing this. I'm so embarrassed by this. And it's, I just had all this hatred towards my past and towards my upbringing and towards my family. And I was just terrified that he was going to leave me because he saw these inner workings of my life and he was going to judge me on those things versus the woman that I was today. And that's just a side note. But uh, after that relationship, I remember I didn't know really why it happened. I was very confused. We had a decently healthy relationship. Um, And so I remember six months later, I saw him at church for the first time, pretty much. And it was like, it was hard. I mean, all of my feelings came rushing back. I remember my palms sweating. I talked with him and we still had this connection and chemistry. And I was like, oh my gosh, this person, I love them still. Oh girl. And you know, let's just go and be real. Like I stalked him on Instagram. <laughs> and I, found, <laughs> I found out for better or worse that he went on a date with somebody else that same night, the night after I saw him at church and my heart was broken, shattered. Honestly, I think that that's the problem with stalking is that we find out information that we aren't the ready one to problem handle. with stalking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so my heart was not ready for it. And I was like, dang it. If only I wasn't such a good stalker. Because <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> of course he didn't post it. I found it down some rabbit hole and I was like, <gasps> I figured it out, put all the pieces mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I found out he had went on a date that same day that I saw him felt that chemistry and connection with oh, him. So and I was devastated. Like he's already moved on six months later. Oh my gosh. But here's what's so cool. I allowed myself that week to just go through the layers of grief and lament again. And I went to God and I was like, I really don't get it. And it was the week of Valentine's Day. Let's just add it on top of that. It was also the week of Valentine's Day. Okay. Like just knife to the heart even more. Um, Actually, I found out he was dating someone else on Valentine's Day. Cool. Perfect. Awesome. (laughs) It was like, I saw him at church and then it confirmed it. I saw the date a few days later. That was what happened. Oh my gosh. It was terrible. Okay. So uh, then I remember waking up early that morning, every week, going to a park, having my worship time with God, praying it out, lamenting. And it was a really cool moment. There was one morning that God gave me this crazy vision. And it was this vision where I had been through, it was like me as an adventurer. (laughs) And I had been through like this land of fire. And then I was going through a desert and just remember myself like trying to warrior through these really hard seasons of my life. And then I arrived at a forest and I was in this wilderness and it was really tough even in the wilderness to find life and find my way. And I felt really lost. And Mm -hmm. finally, at the end of this vision, I arrived in this like beautiful, lush place. It was somewhere in Europe, like in my dream, you know, some sort of fairy tale land. (laughs) And and, um, I remember there was a castle and I was like so excited. Like I had beat the journey, you know, and I arrived at this castle and I remember I was so grateful. I was like twirling. I was thankful. And this guy, the guy I dated was in this castle. And I was like so grateful and I was excited and I lived it out. And then what God so clearly showed me was like, 
he zoomed me out and then showed me I had just arrived to the beginning of this amazing new land. And where God wanted me to go was past that castle, past that first marking point. And I, while the thing about my vision was that the guy I was dating, he was totally fine just staying in that castle. So what, what God showed me is that over years, I started to get bored. And over years, I was like, this is not, God is calling me be above and beyond this. And so then God gave me a vision of like, hey, beyond this, there's an entire city and there's all these people I want you to meet and all these things I want you to do. And on the other side of that city, there's a palace. And so while you think this castle and this is what you're, what I have for you, actually what I have is so much more. So the reality of what God showed me is that this guy, if I had stayed with him, he's a perfectly lovely guy, but I would have lived a life that was let, like that wasn't me truly walking in my purpose and calling. And it would have been mediocre for me and for where I think God was really leading me to. And I just got, I remember getting so excited because I could see this vision of like a new land I was to venture to. And this guy, he's great, but he's still in that castle. He's still like, I can see it today. He's wonderful, but our lives are on such different paths, Kat, you know? And so I see today, I'm like, whoa, God, I'm so glad he didn't give me what I wanted. I Mm -hmm. so would not have started Heart of Dating. I so would never have probably written a book. I would probably not be in this conversation with you right now, you know, because there was so much he wanted me to adventure to beyond that, that I could not see and that I would have missed out on if I had stayed with him. That's so important. Just to note that it's not that this dude is a bad dude. Yes. And it's not that marriage or being in a committed relationship is a bad thing. And you're so glad that like you didn't settle for blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's a, it's a no that's painful because it's a good no. And that doesn't mean that the person is bad, that it wouldn't be a good relationship or a good marriage. It's just that there is a different invitation on your life. Yes, yes. And you, I'm so grateful that you didn't stay in that relationship. And, you know, I think about that for my own story and, and my own self of, <laughs> man, if I got what I wanted when I wanted it, first of all, I would be most likely married to some sort of manifestation of the unhealthy part of my dad yeah. <laughs> that I was trying to heal in my 20s. And trying to heal the the pattern of our family dynamics through the guys I was dating. And also, I never would have moved to LA. I never would have started my own photography business. I never would have moved to New York. I never would have traveled all over the world taking pictures. I would have never been rejected by all these guys that have now led me on a path to my deeper healing than I could have ever experienced. And then, yes, the book, the, you know the the new friendships, the new relationships, the new knowing, that new internal knowing. And even kind of going back to that Glennon Doyle quote of Glennon saying something like she did, I will never put myself in another room, situation, conversation, institution, relationship where I abandon myself. That conviction comes from a person who has, who has walked through the valley of rejection, yeah. self-rejection, other rejection. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I can confidently say, God, thank you. Thank you for all the rejection I've experienced. Thank you, God, <laughs> for not giving me what I wanted. Yes. Because it, as cheesy as it sounds, this is going to sound so cheesy. And a lot of people might not know the reference, but I think of that Rascal Flat song that's like, <laughs> God bless the broken road. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that led me straight to you. Like, God, like the 
each broken moment, each heartache, each Mm -hmm. joy has been so significant and intentional and leading me on the path that I am today. Yes. And there are gifts within each of those rejections, whether it's like future, you know, leading us on this path or whether like with that guy, I learned how important expressive love is to me. Like I learned how important it is for somebody to voice how they feel towards me. And I learned how important it is to have secure, more secure type of love because he Mm -hmm. offered that for me and he listened to me and I understood how much important empathy was. And I was like, wow, that was the first time I truly experienced that in a lot of ways. And that was a gift to me in my learning journey of understanding my needs and learning how to communicate. And there was a gift within that, you know, and it also on the flip side showed me, um, how much I was rejecting myself and putting a man on a pedestal and acting like I was on audition to be a wife and Mm -hmm. just like, so putting so much of my eggs in the basket of like, he has to choose me. This has to end in marriage you know, and seeing how that made me feel in the end. So depleted and so self-abandoning even in that process. And I think I don't recommend, and in the book, I'm like, don't do it right away. When a rejection just hits, it's not your time to just like look back and say, why, why, why? And take all the ownership, but through time and through your healing journey, what a gift to look back and see the ways in which you grew in loving yourself and knowing yourself and loving God and in taking ownership and gaining new tools to um, become more whole and more free from the things that have burdened your past. So I. I do. That's why it's like, thank you for rejecting me (laughs) because it's made me who I am today. I, in many ways, it's not like I wanted to go through some of those rejections. I, especially some of the harder ones like abuse, Mm -hmm. but I can see now the gift and the, 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 how much I needed to go on the journey after that rejection Mm -hmm. of self-discovery, of understanding God, of learning how to be better, love better, serve myself better, serve others better. And that is a worthwhile journey. Um, Amen. Yeah. Okay. To the men. <laughs> to the men. So good, girl. Man, I freaking love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Okay. Where can people buy your book? Yes. So thank you for rejecting me.com, tyfrm.com, uh, katewarman.com, any of the, you're going to find it if you put it in. (laughs) Um, It's like, I linked all the addresses to the book (laughs) and uh, on Amazon for sure. And like where all major books are sold. I'm so excited about it. And here's the deal. I just want to say, like we talk obviously a lot about dating, but this book is not just if you're single, like this is really for anybody who has dealt with any kind of rejection or who feels constantly weighed down by their own self-rejections. So of course, I have a lot of stories in there and some of them are dating stories, but heartbreak, it's not just about breakups (laughs) is like what I just want to say. So um, if you've ever dealt with rejection or if you know someone who's really in the depths of that, I named it this way. So it's not like a pity book. It's really empowering to give this to them for them to be like, wow, oh my gosh, maybe there's a way out of this and way to find hope and healing and purpose through it all. So I just, yeah, I think it's a great gift as well for people. (laughs) It is. It is. I have read a lot of it. I love it. I love you. And yeah, I'm just excited. I'm excited. Love you. (laughs) And until next time. (laughs) Bye, girl. Bye. Kate Warman, y'all. Don't you love her? Buy her book. Support her. Love her. Listen to her podcast. She's amazing. And I just wanted to end one more time with this Glennon Doyle quote from Untamed. I will not stay 
not ever again in a room or conversation or relationship or institution that requires me to abandon myself. I think when we think of rejection, it can be so easy to just focus on the external rejections, the jobs not gotten, the romantic relationships that end and you leave feeling heartbroken. But where are the moments and where are the spaces maybe to start being curious about when have you rejected yourself before anyone externally has rejected you? Are there moments in your life that you can reflect and say, wow, I rejected myself. And God, can you show me and bring healing and perspective into those places? So here is to being on the journey We've all experienced rejection. You now know a lot of my rejection stories. So until next time, take care.